Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And this is Folklore on the Rocks. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Good to have everybody back here again. It's good to be back. Linz, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. We've had, uh, well, we've had kind of a weird winter, kind of uh, some <sighs> days of like freezing cold and snow up here in Utah. Other times rain uh, a little early for this time of year, but we're on this side of the Rockies, so we're getting only the Pacific weather. It's been a weird winter. That's well, for sure. It, it, it has been a weird, win- weird winter. Uh, it's been... Yeah, some days snow, some days in early spring, but, you know, all in all, we're getting through it. Lately snow. Lately, like, five feet of snow. Yes, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> a bunch of snow. It's very <laughs> annoying, but it's And fine. Logan just bought a fat bike and put a big, crazy electric motor on it, but shh, <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a stealth bike. <laughs> also, stinking cool in the snow. It's so... Riding a regular fat bike in the snow, my hat goes off to anybody who's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pedal something with car tires through the snow. Guys, uh, these tires are ginormous. Yeah. They're, uh, they're so four big. inches wide. They're, they're so, And I know this is this is quite the cycling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that when we started. How weird. <laughs> yeah. But uh, th- then I then I, I bought a, a, an electric motor and installed it on there through a dark and you know profane ritual. I, I took out regular bike parts and put in cyborg bike parts. Now it's an incredible monster is what I've made. And it's a good time in the snow is kind of the point I'm, I'm getting to after all of this long and meandering story. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. that you're having a good time with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bike season year round for Logan. <laughs> As it should be. Other than that, it's been uh, cold and working on just other weird stuff. But hey, life is good. And we are here ready to go on another journey down to Brazil. Yay. Uh, Let's really quickly talk about what we're drinking. Okay, let's get good and drunk first. Then we'll take our boarding passes. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) So our cocktail this week is the Encantado. Ah. Uh, which is the, also the creature that we're talking about. Ding, ding, so. ding. So, so if you were <laughs> guessing at home, the answer is the Encantado. Yay, especially if you didn't see the title when you clicked play. That's how I always do podcasts. <laughs> I, I never read never show look. notes and never read titles. It's, it's much more fun that way. <laughs> That's fair. It's an adventure and a mystery. Yeah. All wrapped in one. <laughs> Even on non-mystery podcasts. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I live my life. <laughs> yeah. So um, Encantado, tell us about the drink first. Yes. So the Encantado, it is two ounces of cachaça like we had last week in our Caipirinhas. So two ounces of cachaça, one ounce of lime juice, and then half an ounce of either grenadine or red currant syrup. Essentially, it's there to just kind of make the drink pink. Mm-hmm. That is because the Encantado are... Pink river dolphins. Pink river dolphins. Yes. We will explain right. more about those in a little bit, but, but that's but to start, why it's a, that is this, it's, it's a perfect drink for this little journey. Now, this exactly. is just as, as fruity and uh, and sweet as, as last week's drink. It does have a slightly different flavor that grenadine does add kind of mm-hmm. some, some difference to it. Yeah. We're not doing red currant syrup, so I'm curious what that would taste like, but it would do the same kind of thing in making it pink. Yeah, yeah, and grenadine is a is a good flavor to toss into things. It's a um, let's see. One time I was at I was in an Italian restaurant. This was in San Francisco, 
uh, the steps of Rome in Little Italy. They have wonderful <laughs> spaghetti. And if you, uh, uh, they have a huge array of, of Italian sodas and very attractive servers. So, which is why you went there. Which is why anybody goes there. And of course. <laughs> it, ladies, the, 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 the male servers will come to your table and lift you out of your seat and dance with you in the middle of your... And it's, oh, it's man, really, no. I will it's never a, go there then. <laughs> it's a very Italian kind of place. Anyway, so I, I ordered an Italian soda from a very attractive uh, female server. And I said, uh, she said, what flavor? And I said, surprise me. And she brought one back and it was a, it was a pink drink. And you, I, we all, the audience at home, we all know this is a grenadine story. So yes, it was in fact grenadine. But if you don't know it's grenadine, it tastes like every other pink fruit. I was thinking, is it strawberry? Is it watermelon? Is it raspberry? <laughs> you can never pin it down. What is this? And she says, if you can't guess, you don't get to dance with me. And so... <sighs> I finally guessed grenadine, but it was one of those ones that really took some doing. Uh, but no, this is this is a nice addition to the drink. Well, the question is, did you get to dance with her? I did get to dance, but you know, I I, I can't keep up with those Italian boys. No way. I'm not the dancing fool I used to be, Linz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Oh, shh. <laughs> So yeah, okay, we're heading down to Brazil. We've got drinks in hand. We've got uh, colorful flowers in our drinks. We're, we're, we're flying down over the, over the rainforest and we see we, uh, the, we've got colorful birds and monkeys in the trees and there's sounds all around. We land on the ground. Now, tell us, what, what, tell, you're going to lead our journey. You're our, you're our tour, gra- tour guide, am, Linz. yes. So we've landed in Brazil. Where are we going? And after that amazing introduction, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Oh, Mark. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, and I'm going to do our promo now really fast, just so oh, that we cool. can kind of like soak in the tale. Okay, so this is like the in-flight entertainment as we're on exactly. our way down there. This is what we're watching see. on our flight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Before we get to the beautiful rainforest outside of the window. Yeah, we just looked at the brochure. It's going to be awesome. We're not there yet. We've, exactly. got, we've just conserved our <laughs> drinks, and we, we turn on the promo, and this is what we get. Perfect. Um, yeah, so our promo for this week is for a podcast called The Crypto Naturalist. They are a bi-weekly scripted audio drama that kind of just explores strange nature. As you can kind of tell in the title, Crypto Naturalist. Cool. Um, it's it's kind of hard to describe it more than that without actually just listening to it. But it's really, really good. And I think that you should listen. <laughs> Sounds neat. There's also a poetry section in each of the episodes called Hidden Lore. And it's super fantastic. Um, oh, is, have, it, is it original poetry? Um, yeah, they have new people submit each episode. It's really mm-hmm. cool. And um, even if you don't end up deciding to listen to the podcast itself, I really, really recommend following them on Twitter because often some of their tweets are are some of the most poignant and beautiful things I've ever read. Um, Very cool. Yeah, they they wage war on all fronts. It's wonderful. Like the whole crypto naturalist experience is just weird and wonderful and I love it so much. So here is their promo. Crypto Naturalist Podcast has been described as Bob Ross crossed with Welcome to Night Vale and David Attenborough meets the X-Files. I would describe it as a loving look at nature. Just, well, nature I can guarantee you've never heard before. The show features strange creatures in unusual locations, guest poetry and fiction, 
in field reports voiced by people like Adel Rafai and Justin McElroy. Find The Crypto Naturalist anywhere you find podcasts or at CryptoNaturalist.com. And we're back. And we're back. They sound pretty cool. Yeah, That's- they do. Um, so, as Logan said, we are flying in. Yeah, I've got I've got Angra playing in my headphones as we as we land the the jungle <laughs> beats of, of of Brazilian heavy metal just guiding me down there and reminding me that you know while it's a, a very wild and tropical place, it's also got a rich culture that came over from Portugal and and, and Europe and Africa and Africa too. Mm-hmm. So blend those all together and you get Brazil. Yeah. So first off, we're going to start talking about the Amazon, um, Amazonia, which is specifically the name for the Brazilian Amazon. And Amazonia, the Brazilian Amazon, it comprises approximately half of the entire Amazon basin, which is itself distributed over seven entire countries. So, so when that di- when that line big. of demarcation went out, it went right through the Amazon. <laughs> exactly. Um, the basin itself is about 2.7 million square miles. So it's very large. Mm-hmm. And the rainforest is covering about 2.1 of those entire square miles. So it's very, very big. The Amazon River itself, it begins in a, a tiny high lake up in the Andes. And the river is about 4,300 miles long. Or if you're a kilometer person, it's over 10,000 kilometers. Just a little 10, over 10,000. 1,000 kilometers. <laughs> yeah. It's bananas. And there's like a thousand tributaries. It, it's branching off all over the place. So um, some estimates state that within the Amazon, there are like approximately a million species of flora and fauna. Oh, yeah. Probably it's, more. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I concur yeah. with my with my armchair scientist attitude. <laughs> well, I mean, there's it's just so unexplored scientifically that mm-hmm. there's just there has to be so much that we don't know, right? Oh, yeah. And and I love that we're only now just starting to realize the value of some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always Which been... good and bad. Yeah, there's always <laughs> been a, 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 you know, scientific curiosity in, in cataloging new things. But, but as we find cures for diseases or uh, things we didn't expect from, from plants or animals in these really remote, strange places in the world... Uh, it just reminds us just how precious they are. Absolutely. And we really have to work to make sure that those things stay precious. Because the more the more we find out that these things are useful, the more they want to be exploited. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole other tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Some more cool but- facts. Some more Let's cool facts. Yeah, the Amazon. It's. It, I mean, it is. It is a. It's unfortunately. It's a part. It's a part of the world that has been exploited quite a bit. Very much yes. like when we talked about the Groot slang in in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's. It's beautiful, rich in natural resources, and it's part of the world that a lot of people have tried to take take advantage of it and exploit it. I hope that we can just maybe not do it as much to that, but I don't. I think that's a, a vain hope. <laughs> That's, that's a good plan. As all of these presidential candidates are coming forth, I, I think Lindsay's got a good idea to toss into the ring. Do less of the environmental destruction bullshit that we've been doing. Yeah, I'm like, Green Party. <laughs> I don't know. 
Hey, I, I'm, I've been riding a bike in February. I'm doing my part. That's fair. That's fair. That's good. <laughs> okay, so some more facts about the Amazon River. Um, it holds like a half of the world's river water. Mm-hmm. The world's river water. Like a half of it is in this one river, which is crazy. It's a very big river. <laughs> I'm, my, my brain is wrapping around that. It's going to take a second. Keep I know, going. it's crazy, right? Um, and then the basin, like the leafy basin, it supplies like a tenth of the world's oxygen just from this rainforest. Seems pretty important. Let's not mess with it. Uh, you think, right? <laughs> Let me just chop down all these trees and then suffocate to death because I did it, even though I yeah. knew I shouldn't have. That you know? seems... Can we get another one of those? Seems like seems like that's a good thing. <laughs> right. Maybe it should just stay where it is. Yeah. It has a wet season that lasts like half the year. So from mm-hmm. like December to June. The the very rainiest part of that is like March through May, where it rains every single day. Sometimes it lasts and like an hour, but there is a downpour every day. That's kind of um that was my experience in Florida in July. Yeah. <laughs> it rained every single day. And it didn't just like sprinkle. It like buckets poured from the sky. To the rest of the world, listeners, uh, not to go on another tangent again, but, uh, but we, 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 we don't get super phased by snow. Snow doesn't impress either one of us. No. We're from Utah. We're from the Rockies. It's an and annoyance. Is, however, <laughs> any substantial amount of rain is like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. blew my mind in Florida. Florida, I was Georgia, like, South what Carolina. what is happening? Is this a hurricane? I, all, all those places I was caught in big rainstorms and it's just like, <laughs> nope, uh, this is, it's, this, I'm out of my league here. I, yeah. I I'm going to need a bigger boat. Well, I'm <laughs> sure they're like, oh, uh, this is nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, when I went to Florida, I didn't, I didn't know this. Um, so for me, it was like a everything I own is completely soaked. This is fantastic. <laughs> and here's the bonus part. It will never dry. <laughs> exactly. You walk out of the shower and you feel like you never left. <laughs> See? Yeah. And, and to tie it all back, I, I'd imagine Brazil has, has the same relative humidity. It's, it's, it is a hot, humid place. It is the rainforest. I'd imagine on our little rainforest adventure, we're a little sticky and that's just comes with the territory yeah most likely but what we do get is a really fun river adventure if we go cool. on the amazon river so yeah. if you if you do end up visiting there is a very good chance that you will see some amazon river dolphins and which is who we're gonna talk about <laughs> um, <laughs> i had all kinds of things lined up to other things we might see on our adventure but yes oh i, I mean some. you can tell me more i know there's well, like i'm pretty sure there's capybaras there yeah, cacabaras. There's the dreaded candiru. There's the <laughs> there's there's uh oh there's Blanca from Street Fighter and the electric eels that taught him to charge electricity through his skin. That there's makes a perfect sense that we would there's see a that. lot of things to see on our Amazon adventure. Maybe some bananas. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 we will also find some pink river dolphins. Pink river dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Portuguese name for these dolphins is Boto or Boto Romelo. I apologize in advance for my exceptionally poor pronunciation of Portuguese words. You're just going to have right. to deal with it. For me, uh, Portuguese <laughs> is always a language I've, I've really kind of struggled with. Uh, I, when I, when I listen to it, uh, it's always, oh, wow, that's not for me. Uh, and it's not that I dislike it. It's a beautiful language. Uh, it's just having studied French. 
Uh, it only somewhat prepares you to read Portuguese. It doesn't prepare you to speak it at all. Yeah. The reading, <laughs> it makes sense because a lot of the root words are very similar, but pronunciations are significantly different. Not the same in the no. least. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're called the, the Boto Romelo, or we're just going to call them the Boto. The um, Boto. Yes. And you may have heard of them as the Pink River Dolphin, like we talked about. So they are pink. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second and how all of that pertains to their biology and everything. Um, and we are going to talk about these dolphins themselves, um, kind of hearkening back to like our, our Jorgumo episode, how we started talking about the actual Joro spider for quite a while. And then we talked about the Jorgumo. And that's kind of what we're going to do here a little bit, because you need to know about these creatures before you can understand the mythology that surrounds them, essentially. Because it's yeah, a myth about a real creature. That's that's something that already strikes me as very special about this creature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That they are a, a supernatural interpretation of a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't come from a cultural route. They came from seeing something and accepting, yes, it is a real animal, but the story is still going to continue. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So um, the scientific name for the, their species is... Inia jeffersonis, and it represents an ancient lineage of toothed whales. It's a freshwater dolphin that's kind of caught in a Miocene time warp. Yeah, they they got they got out of the water, and they were like, "Ooh, it's it's not as wet out here. Let's go go back back in the water this way." And then we don't need legs, but let's keep our pelvises. (laughs) Ha ha! So they went back (laughs) into the freshwater instead of the salt water. Yeah. (laughs) Inia is a Garano Indian word for dolphin, uh, apparently. Inia. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure where that's from. I probably should have looked it up and I didn't. Sorry. I didn't either. <laughs> and so I will smile and nod and drink my drink. Okay. <laughs> Tell um, me more. It's named for Jeffrey St. Hilary, who plundered the first zoological specimens from Portugal for Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, so, um, that's so why this is classical plundering. This is old yeah, school plunder. That's where the Jeffersonis part comes from, mm. the, the latter part of the scientific name. So it is the most well-known river dolphin, and they have the largest bodies and brains of any freshwater dolphin. And that is out of five species of freshwater dolphin. So there's not a ton, but it is the biggest of them. Um, and it's actually, it's a pretty big creature. The The males, the kind of, they average about seven and a half feet and the largest is almost nine feet. Yeah. I saw, I saw some pictures dolphin. you showed me and it's, mm-hmm. they're bigger than you think they are. Yep. And weirdly pink. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they're in terms of meters, that's like 2.3 to 2.7 meters. In case I know we have international listeners, so I kind of want to make sure that 2.7 meters that's bigger than most Wookiees. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, <laughs> it's yeah. nine feet tall, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just horizontal instead of vertical. There we go. <laughs> um, and they, they can weigh up to like seven or sorry, 700, no, 400 pounds. They can weigh up to like seven uh, to 400 pounds, which is like 181 kilograms. And that's on average. So it could go up to like 450 
that the most usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the females, they average around six and a half feet, which is two meters and about 220 pounds, which is 100 kilograms. So basically in broad terms, the males measure slash weigh between 16 and 55% more than females. This makes them actually one of the most sexually dimorphic cetaceans and mm. super... I love me some sexual dimorphism. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's super unusual for river dolphins, actually, because the females are generally larger. So they are yeah. the opposite of every other river dolphin species, basically. Um, they can live up to about 30 years, as far as we know. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of uh, as far as we know, because... Because um, they've only been somewhat studied. And well, it, and it's hard to study them, actually, too, because uh, scientists have a really difficult time identifying individual dolphins as their coloring changes constantly. Ah, uh, that Which would make it really hard. Level of the challenge, yeah. yeah. Plus, on top of it, to study them involves, well, it involves a river trip to the Amazon, yeah. which is... And there's been, there's been a lot more study yeah. <laughs> done anthropologically, but that, that involves the people surrounding the river, yeah. the riverine people, not necessarily dolphins. So there there should be, I think, more study that happens with these dolphins. It'd be really mm-hmm. interesting to find out more. But the majority of studies that we have are the people and their relation to these dolphins and then general things scientifically about these dolphins. Most of it's observation and some of the stuff we just we just don't know why they do what they do or why they look like what they look like. Anyway, yeah, so they can live up to around 30 years and they actually have 40% more brain capacity than humans do. Mm. So they're probably like way smarter than us. Makes sense, indeed. (laughs) As most dolphins (laughs) typically are. They're very intelligent creatures. Probably the most notable thing about them, as we've talked about, is their unusual pink coloring. Even I'm curious about that. Is it something from iron in the diet or just an affinity for pink or what? (laughs) We don't really know. (laughs) So they start off gray, actually, when they're young. And then as they age, they slowly turn into like a solid or sometimes blotched pink as they get older. Their final color can be influenced by their behavior, their location, capillary placement, uh, the clarity and the temperature of the water, their diet, exposure to sunlight, aka we're not really sure. Yeah, <laughs> it could it's be a whole bunch of mysteries things. that make you a, a pink dolphin. <laughs> yes. So, and individual dolphins, they can range anywhere from mostly gray with some pink spots to almost flamingo pink. And the the oldest ones, they keep lightening and they end up tinging with like white, blue, gray, the older they get. Uh-huh. So like a normal adult dolphin in their prime would be pink, basically. The males are typically pinker than the females. And a really fun thing with them is they actually, they will flush bright pink when they get excited, kind of like humans blushing, which oh, is cool. kind of fun. But as adorable as that sounds, I honestly find them to be very creepy looking. <laughs> they are they are a little on the weird side, they I'll give you that. Very weirdly shaped. Um, not at all like you would expect. Like in your mind you picture, you know, like a bottlenose dolphin, right? When you think of a dolphin. That's yeah. your image that you have. And these are like lumpy and this weird 
pink flesh color that's magical from really far away because they're pink and then you get close and you're like oh this is like flesh colored and they oh yeah that's that's like, what color you really are yeah they're like a lump of human in the water it's so weird it's so mm-hmm. very weird and kind of expanding what on weirdly shaped like i'm saying they aren't sleek like a typical dolphin. Um, they're very stocky with very tiny eyes. They have super giant melon-like for- foreheads, and they act as a lens for their echo location and their sonar. And they have these long two-wheeler snouts um, with a bunch of teeth in there. And it's creepy because they'll open their mouth, and it's, I mean, dolphins don't have like a, a whole kind of like how we open our mouths. They have just flesh back there because Mm -hmm. it will open when they swallow something and then they don't breathe through their mouths. They breathe through their bow holes, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just a lump of flesh and then their mouth. It's so weird. (laughs) It's very weird. It's just a different layout of the mouth and how to, how to swallow and take in. Yeah. And then they have a dorsal ridge rather than a dorsal fin. So it's just kind of more like a bump rather than an actual fin on their top. I, I do see that in, the, in these pictures that I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it seems it, it seems like they are a dolphin that made the conscious decision to lose some weight. Uh, that's and that that comes from the the idea of they probably live in a warmer climate than a lot of other dolphins. To lose some and so weight probably, and then like didn't go to the gym ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, they have the same <laughs> muscle mass but less less insulating fat, uh, and that's something we're used to seeing on dolphins to kind of round them out and make them more sleek and streamlined. And these dolphins just have a lot less of that. Very, but yeah, very lumpy. That they definitely lumpy. they definitely skipped all of the gym days. They, <laughs> yes, they're they the ones that they got the promotional uh, gym membership and then never they went, went. They went on January second and then never went back. Yeah. <laughs> But we still love them. They're still adorable, you know. It's a, a in the way that all all creatures are are magical in their own way. Well, uh, well, well let, put a pin in that for a second. Okay, we'll see, what, we'll see what you think about them in a little bit here. Got gotta love that head bulb. Okay, yeah, it's it's very uh, protruding. <laughs> like when when they when they surface up to the water, you get their dorsal bump and then like their dorsal ridge, and then you get. The top of their melon head is what comes mm-hmm. out of the water when they surface. So you get like two bumps and that's the dolphin, which I think is pretty funny, honestly. But another cool thing, they have a unique trait of stiff hairs on the end of their snout. So uh, mm. researchers, they believe that it's used kind of as a sensory organ on the muddy river bottoms, which makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Or it, during mm. wa- where water can't be seen, you often see things like that. Yeah. Very murky. On, on amphibians or, uh, you know, things like a catfish. Uh, mm. the, just to, to kind of feel your Navigation. way through areas where eyes don't work so well. Exactly. Yeah. Another cool thing with that is they are often seen swimming upside down. Researchers, they aren't sure why again <laughs> mm-hmm. but it could be to help them see the bottom of the river better because they have very small eyes and, and very plump cheeks that might block mm-hmm. their vision yeah um so that's a possibility <laughs> i don't know yeah i think they saw a picture of like a flounder and they're like okay guys that's our other option is to move our eye to the other side of our body so, so let's just how about we learn to swim upside down, <laughs> Turn upside <Maybe>. down. <laughs> it works out perfectly <laughs> yeah they are actually extremely agile creatures. They're very flexible. 
So unlike mm-hmm. other dolphins, they have some unfused vertebrae in their neck, which means they have like free floating vertebrae. And that means that they can actually turn their head 180 degrees, which wow. is really cool. Um, it allows them to maneuver around obstacles in the murky river environment. They have very keen eyesight and hearing. And then they also have really large flippers and fins. That makes it so that their flippers can actually move in a circular motion so that they can kind of they can swim forward with one flipper while paddling backwards with the other. And that lets mm-hmm. them turn with more precision because um, other dolphins like in the ocean, they have an entire ocean to just actually physically move around and turn. Whereas these guys are in a river. They need to be able to make smaller movements in a, in order to turn. They don't have as much room to dive. They don't have as much room to go to side to side, you know? Yeah. So now if I had to just, if I had to just guess and marine biologists may be ready to just, just write me all kinds <laughs> of, you know, mail, but, uh, it really does look like if I, if I had to guess, uh, a more traditional bottlenose dolphin looks like it's more streamlined for, uh, if we were to compare it to like a cross country runner where they're going for long stretches of, of straight line and very little turning. No, uh, it I just needs to cover comparison. cover a lot of lot, lot of miles. While the Bodo is a little bit more like a free runner. Uh, well, I would kind say of mus- more like someone who lays on their couch all day. <laughs> okay, okay, they're yeah, very sedentary creatures. I, comparatively, yeah, if you want to go that that interpretation as well, they 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 find value in. Uh, clicker games on their phone yeah. or they're the one that goes to the gym and walks on the treadmill but just only walks on the treadmill and it, hey you know at a very I, slow if, pace if you're the kind of person that does that it's better than not walking hey, at no, all it's very oh. true and that's true with these guys <laughs> they, they do swim and they you catch prey and everything but at a walking space exactly. you're not you can't expect to look like a bald, bottlenose yeah. dolphin anytime soon these aren't these aren't the, the kind point. of dolphins that throw their mass up and do the beautiful jumping things that we see from like spinner dolphins or bottlenose dolphins, you know, Mm -hmm. um, these guys very, very rarely, if ever go up, like leap above the water and it's never fully breaching. (laughs) They just don't have the room to dive. And they don't have a lot of reason to, um, most of their action is down below the surface. Mm -hmm. It is very true. So, Another another thing with them, and this is going to be a fun conversation, is that the males are very sexually aggressive. Ooh, like, I was wondering when we were going to be yeah. talking about dolphin sex. And that's, that's right. like most dolphin species. Basically, all dolphins are very sexually aggressive creatures, or male ones, per se. That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I've heard that uh, by human standards... They're pretty um, rapey. Near, Pretty rapey. They're pretty rapey. Pretty rapey. Um, However, <laughs> uh, dolphins are dolphins are what dolphins are, and yeah, I mean, and this is a whole other like we can't push human culture and cultural norms onto a creature <laughs> that isn't a human and that has evolved in their own way, right? Like it's a thing; it's just a fact. It is what it is. Um, but they are. Like I said, pretty rapey, and they will mate with like dead fish. They'll mate with, um, <laughs> they'll attempt to mate with humans, <laughs> which is creepy. Yeah, um, just whatever flotsam and jetsam comes their way. Yeah. So basically, maybe avoid male dolphins in the wild. I don't know. Anyway, back to specifically the bodo. 
often the female is mated with whether or not she is receptive to that uh, mating. Like if she's like pushing them away, they're like, oh no. And they can tell this from marks that have happened or people have observed actual mating and everything. There's pretty yeah. intense competition f- for access to the females, which it actually indicates sort of a polygonous mating system, which mm-hmm. is one male mates with more than one female. But that's unproven at this point because very little is actually known about their mating system other than that males are very aggressive sexually. So, um, <laughs> Well, it, it has kept the, the species going since the Miocene, so good for them. Yeah, um, it's true. Um, uh, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if I should say this, but... Um, you should. <laughs> so, so in one of the studies that I was reading, um, they posited that male dolphins engage in homosexual sex. Oh, um, I totally think they probably do. Yeah, like to blowhole, essentially. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, poten- mm-hmm. potentially also anal as well, I think. But from what I understand. That's what they posited. And then I read another article that they they clarified the point with one of the researchers of the original study. And mm-hmm. he said that it was because they were saying that there was some sort of penetration of the blowhole, which makes very little sense, actually, like anatomically. So they clarified with the original uh, person that did the study. And it was actually that there wasn't like full penetration. It was just basically uh for lack of a better word, just playing around the blowhole. Yeah. So it's and I like, and I believe that. Um it's like yes and no. <laughs> Kinda, I guess, is where that comes from. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's yeah, weird and behavior. There there's a reason animals don't wear pants. They have <laughs> exactly, a little right? bit of a, of a different <laughs> attitude towards sex than us humans. Yeah. And it's so. it, in <laughs> With them being as sexually aggressive as they are, it does make a lot of sense. And, I mean, they aren't the only species in the world that engages in homosexual sex or even... Oh, and, and, and I'd like to take this opportunity, given that I, after every episode, I get a little session from my mom of, <laughs> of Logan, you shouldn't have said that. Or, Logan, kind of a press training kind of Well, your mom light. know. <laughs> and and I kind of you know in in modest reflection of, of a couple minutes ago when I said of course dolphins engage in homosexual sex not because go- dolphins are gay no 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 because animals often will engage no it's in exactly homosexual that's sex. exactly that's right something you find a lot in the natural this world. this is a nature fact See, that's not an I'm, opinion you just got to listen to the whole episode <laughs> exactly. I'll dig my way out it's fine <laughs> he'll attempt to <laughs> yeah um but yeah so that that's a fun fact for lack of a better uh, adjective for that I think it's interesting if the the dolphins are into it it's plenty fun yeah no totally that's good on them you know yeah (laughs) Um, except for the rapey part that's not cool except for the rapey part and I hope that no from my human perspective been done to the blowhole I'm I'm sure that it can it seems tempting but you you breathe through there fella (laughs) I would imagine that it's that the muscles there are strong enough that it wouldn't be a problem but I more mean like the females are, um, I guess, sort of victimized in this regard. Lindsay, okay. In, in their defense, I'm looking through. I'm looking through this Google image search on on the Boto, and there's lots of pictures of the dolphin, some cartoony, some not. Then right in the center, there's a product, and it's and 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 you know, I realize that listening to Logan read his, <laughs> his Google, Google searches is, is not the most interesting <laughs> thing. 
But right in the center, there's pink dolphins, pink dolphins. And in the center, there's a product called Boto Lube Extreme Pressure. Oh my gosh. And the fact that it exists, I, I feel like <laughs> times are changing for the Boto. You know, there's a little bit of, of, of caring about the partner, oh my I feel. God. If, if Boto Lube is a thing, they can't be all rapey. <laughs> that's got to be. A, that's got to be true. I believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I don't believe me either. <laughs> okay, so now that we've talked about dolphin sex, let's move on <laughs> to more of their behavior rather than yeah. their anatomy. Well, I mean, what other cryptozoological but... podcasts bring up the dolphin sex issue? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm sure we all do. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll cut that other stuff out, but maybe I won't. Maybe I'll get to hear. No way. Me this is this is important it. information. <laughs> yeah, we got it. It, to talk about dolphins is to is to talk about how, how dolphins exist in an ecosystem right. and, their, I mean, and their overall story. Exactly. Their sexual behavior is part of their natural state, period. And to be honest, okay, I mean, objectively, I'm not just talking to you particularly, Lindsay. I'm talking to you, anybody who ever hears this. Okay, magically, you're a dolphin. You're going to feel pretty sexy. <laughs> I mean, really. I don't know if you're a butto. I mean, I don't know how you'd feel about that. If one day it's like, bam, you are a dolphin. And it's like, hmm, feeling kind of sexy. Now, not necessarily (laughs) rapey. I guess that's on like an individual level. But to be a dolphin, it's kind of a sexy existence, you know? We'll have to agree to disagree, I guess. To me, it's pretty creepy. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't know. Maybe if I was like a very aesthetically pleasing dolphin. Maybe I'm just used to seeing them doing flips and stuff. Yeah, those are so cool. And these guys are not that dolphin. That's that to me. That that's the dolphin. I'm thinking Echo the dolphin. There you like go. Suddenly, or Flipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're one of those. You're a dolphin, dolphin, and and you would feel yeah, very powerful. Feel, I can see that. And there's and there's a sexual aspect to that. That being said, we big check mark on. We covered the dolphin sex. Done. Onward. Dolphin sex. <laughs> okay, so they are. Much more solitary than other dolphins. With typical ocean-dwelling dwelling dolphins, you'll see them in large pods of, of a bunch of dolphins together. And that is very much not the case with these guys. They are rarely seen in groups of more than three. And that's usually a mother and her calves. So it's pretty atypical to see them gathered together in groups. And if they are, it's usually for like really food rich areas or sometimes for mating. But like I said, it's very unusual. But despite living in small groups, they're actually very curious and very outgoing. And they Mm -hmm. frequently interact with humans and even other animals. So a cool thing with these guys is they occasionally form hunting groups with different species, which is really cool. They do it. uh, they, They hunt with... Uh, Takushis, which is another river dolphin, it looks it looks a lot like a smaller bottlenose dolphin, but with a pink belly. They're actually darling. They're so cute, um, and they're about a third of the size of the boto. I'll stick a comparison illustration in the show notes. Okay, so you would see these 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 animals together. Yeah, they they occasionally form groups to hunt down like fish or whatever else they eat. Um, if you want to look the Takushis up, they are spelled uh, T-U-C-U-X-I-S. Oh, I they, did uh, not spell yeah, that correctly spell, at all. They are nothing like what they sound. Um, not phonetic in the least. 
Um, I highly recommend Googling them and the Bodo. And you can see what I mean, this comparison thing. Um, but the Jakushis, the, the they're so cool. They're actually, um, they're said to guide shipwrecks to land and they may even return a corpse to a grieving family so it can receive a proper burial. Like they're very, very uh, considered really good creatures, essentially. Oh, okay. Where the Boto is much more a mischievous borderline pest, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just prejudice based on that weird head bulb. I know. It's really weird looking though, so I can't blame them. But um, and another creature that they hunt with are giant otters. Uh, not the cute kind of otters. If you're looking up otters, the giant ones are the ones that are, are actually pretty scary looking, honestly. <laughs> so <laughs> Google, Google I, I, giant otters too. <laughs> and on w- giant otters, I don't know a whole lot about the, the modern ones. But what I do know is the prehistoric otters were terrifying. They probably look more uh, like that then. Yeah, they were they were bear sized and they. Okay, I'm looking at giant otters. So just what you think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very mean, uh, scary mean river looking. monsters. Yeah, they're very mean looking, as opposed to like the like American river otter, which is the most adorable thing ever. Oh yeah, just yeah, just bottled up cute. Yeah. Um, these guys are bottled these up, are like mean. <laughs> I don't but know. you know they 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 are their their territory is the Amazon. They have to be tough. True. They these are dire dire otters and i love because you look up a picture of them and all you'll see are like them ripping fishes to shred and like blood and guts on their teeth and they're just that must be the only time they hold steel hold still (laughs) yes um but they kind of have these like piercing a little bit dead eyes which i think are the creepiest thing about them some scary stuff in the amazon (laughs) yes i'm sure that's like the very tip of the iceberg (laughs) um (laughs) So, if you happen to visit the Brazilian Amazon and you want to go looking for some botos, um, they are most active during the early morning and the afternoon. So, say like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. or 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. They're very bold and playful and they're, they'll rub up against canoes or they'll grab paddles with their mouths. They just like to tease people. They're not afraid of humans at all. Which is good and bad. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it's good for those you know playful moments of oh fun animal. However, the problem is is that anytime an animal's not afraid from humans, they get close to civilization and eat garbage or something like that. Yeah, uh, dolphins get caught in nets a lot, and so there is there is an abundance of mythology that surrounds these creatures. And honestly, that's why we're talking about them, right? <laughs> yeah, um. it, it does sound like. Uh, there's been a lot of interaction with them. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you are a member of you know the people that live along the Amazon, you, a lot of a lot of your source of food and culture. I mean, everything is around the river and the and the jungle. And well, the the dolphins are part of that. Yeah, they definitely so. are. The mists that surround them actually keep them relatively safe, although humans are impacting them. But it's through like pollution or mm. unintentional capture, which where they're like tangled in nets because they're not afraid of boats. So we we are impacting them that way, but they're not actually actively hunted at all. Uh, their, their status is like a benevolent 
semi-divine magic being has kind of helped protect them. Um, It's considered extremely bad luck to harm them and even worse luck to eat them. Oh, okay. So they're they're in the same cal- cat category with a number of other animals, like like the albatross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. All right. Good good luck animal. Uh, not to be not, not to be don't, don't, don't shoot that one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so some myths tell of Bodo's turning into beautiful men or women during the night and luring members of the opposite sex down into the river, never to return. Again, it's it's the supernatural women. Uh, all they do is lead unsuspecting men astray <laughs> to watery deaths. Those sirens, I mean, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Another another myth speaks of the spirits of drowned people entering into the bodies of botos. If you go swimming alone, they might whisk you away to a magical underwater world beneath the river, which is called the Encante, or something like that. <laughs> That sounds awesome. Usually, when you look at the fantasy other worlds of different places, it, it's you take the world around them and you put it into some kind of fey lens of, of an older world or something different. And to, to just imagine what is created by the people who live in the Amazon. What is their fantastical supernatural world under the waters of the Amazon River? Uh, when they live in a world that's so magical and alive already, what is their fantasy version? Yeah, I mean, so. and and we'll talk a l- about some of my thoughts, at least, on that a little bit more at the end of this. Cool. Um, so with that, let's kind of just stop with our facts and we'll, we'll get on to the magic of this. Oh, yay, yeah, magic. magic. Cool. Um, so the Encantado are shapeshifters, and they live as the Botocor de Rosa, which are the pink dolphins um, that we've just talked about in in copious amount. Um, (laughs) The word encantado means charmed or enchanted or enchanted one um, in both Portuguese and Spanish, actually, from what I understand. Yeah, my first knee-jerk interpretation of it is that it's got uh, an encapsulating song element to it. It's a beautiful Uh, word. Yeah, Yeah, and enchanted and encantado, I mean, it, it even looks similar. So... These creatures are very mischievous, or mischievous, however you want to say it, and they're very tempestuous beings. They're feared. Ooh, tempestuous, tempestuous. good word. They're feared and they're respected. Any person who encounters an encantado is touched by its enchantment. The folklore that surrounds these creatures is widespread and persistent among the caboclo. Which are basically the peasants and fisherfolk of the Brazilian Amazon. And they're of mixed African, European, and indigenous ancestry. Um, so they're the, essentially they're the riverine peoples, the people that live on the Amazon River, right? And stories about the yeah. Bodo and slash Encantado, I'm going to kind of use that interchangeably because in this instance of what we're talking about, they mean the same thing. It depends on where, but some... Areas have the interpretation that all Bodos are Encantados, and some have the interpretation that okay. some Bodos are Encantados. So it just depends on where you are. But I digress. Um, <laughs> that works. Yeah, sometimes we do see that uh, with uh, a supernatural cu- creature that inhabits or kind of coexists so closely with a, with a natural species. Things like... Uh, 
you know, uh, werewolves, for example. Okay, some some wolves you might see yeah, might be a wolf. werewolf. Most wolves you see well, are just they wolves. All are. Uh, same idea. We never yeah. know. We never will know. Yeah. <laughs> Better just or kill them all. Love them all and let them take over the world. I prefer that. There you go. One <laughs> of the two. Stories about the Bodo have been told for decades, right? Um, years and years and years and years. And that's great for us because then we have many, many stories that have been passed down. It's part of it's it's cemented itself as part of a culture, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. Like I talked about a little bit before, the Encantado come from a paradisical underworld called the Encante. There mm -hmm. is happiness and there's wealth in the Encante, but sometimes they desire earthly pleasures of the human world. So often Ooh. an Encantado will fall in love with a human and will kidnap them and take them back to the land of Encantade, or Encante. Um, many hybrid children have been born from these affairs. Uh, some of them, not the children, but some of the Encantado appear as attractive strangers. Some will appear rather as husbands or lovers. So it could mm. be someone you know. It could be someone that you don't know. They will also capture people. That includes children and adults who wander too close to the Amazon. So many Brazilians refuse to go near the water if it if it has nothing to do mm -hmm. with like their livelihood, you know. Yeah. Festas. Oh, I hope I'm saying that right. It's not fiestas because it's Portuguese. So it's festas like carnival. Festas. <laughs> or okay. Festa Junia, which is a Brazilian celebration in June. They will attract these creatures as they are very musically gifted. They love to dance and they love to drink and seduce men and women, often resulting in illegitimate children. <laughs> so if oh. you meet a handsome, charming stranger at one of these, don't go off with them as you may never come back. Good advice for <laughs> right? any visit to anywhere, but I'm sure Brazil yeah, so is like, right so there. Like mothers will warn, warn their children as they go off to these festivals. Like if you meet a handsome stranger, don't go off with him, which is actually... Very yeah, good watch advice. for the watch for the webbed feet and uh, actually and they don't have webbed feet. Um, they don't. No. Uh, however, their transformation uh -huh. is never fully complete. They will always have a bald spot on the top of their head where its blowhole remains. Yeah, of, of course, they can't. <laughs> they can't give up that 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 beautiful pink right. just dome <laughs> but, up but top. But for that reason, no they will always keep their head covered, usually with like a broad brimmed straw hats oh. and and this actually does make sense because like we talked about bodos bodos don't breathe out of their mouth they breathe out of their blowhole mm -hmm. so why would their mouth disappear if they're transforming yeah makes sense it just happens okay. to be somewhere that you can easily cover it <laughs> yeah. yeah they need it um so at dusk the pink dolphin or, or the bodo they'll shapeshift from a dolphin into most reports say, like, a tall, pale, handsome young man in white clothing. Some other sources say that women shift, too. But a lot of them said specifically a tall, pale, handsome young man in white clothing. <laughs> specifically. Mm -hmm. Their metamorphosis from dolphin to human has been witnessed very infrequently. It's always at night. Once in a while, they'll stay too long at a party, and they can be seen swiftly running toward the river, morphing from human to dolphin. And so before dawn, they'll jump into the water and just shift back into being a dolphin again. Mm -hmm. As for the females of this, the, the bota or the encantada, 
they're aggressive females. They're outside of kind of the normal passive expectations for females in this area. She's kind of an evil animal woman. She's not a sexual revolutionary. So she's, we see women in our culture and we're like, she's very forward. She's very, like, she knows what she wants. And it's mm-hmm. it's totally fine for a woman to be dominant and say, I want this, you know? Whereas in this society, it's women are expected to be very passive in that regard. And we, we all know that that is kind of a recent thing. Yeah, and it's thing still very, in, very, very much the case in most of the world, actually. Yeah, and we're still getting used we're to it We're moving on from these ideas, <laughs> but, but it is present yeah. in this culture. So she's viewed as, as evil or animalistic in this and not, not a revolutionary in that. Um, on the flip side of that, the Bodo stories kind of allow people to express impossible wishes and they're kind of living out mm. deviance vicariously, escapism, you know, through these creatures. But it still kind of supports the status quo rather than subvert norms, unfortunately. Um, so it's mm. it's kind of just, it's, it's a crutch to do what you want to do without changing anything, really. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the narrative, it kind of provides the opportunity to evade talking about any sort of infidelity or sexual deviance and often unfortunately having to take responsibility for abusive actions what externalizing blame (laughs) it's essentially a very convenient scapegoat which i think is likely why the myth is still alive although the magic part is pretty cool too (laughs) and oddly enough the scapegoat is next week's creature (laughs) no i'm just kidding (laughs) okay so some facts some fun facts more facts more facts i I don't know that these are facts but these are cool things about the encantado cool things so the shamans say that its very breath has power and the sound that it utters when it gasps can send poison darts flying as if from a blowgun um don't eat anything that the boto offer you if you eat it you'll never come back so it's kind of that underworld, like Hades. That's thing. a that's yeah. a pretty common thing. Yeah, Hades has don't that. Baron Sandi has that. Uh, you know. Be very careful. Do not take uh, what is offered. Touch nothing but the <laughs> lamp. You know that kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Oh man, I cannot wait to see the live action Aladdin. I'm just saying. Uh, neither can I. I I loved the Disneyland Disneyland version. I will say, I think action. I'm I think I'm more excited for Dumbo to be honest. Just because it's it's Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I saw the preview and I I cried in the preview, so I already know that I already know that this is going to be a problem. <laughs> anyway, I digress again. Some say that Bodos have power over storms, which would make sense. I mean, when weather is so unpredictable, you always want to have like blame it on someone that's controlling it. Essentially, you know, whether it's a god or a creature or. Um, someone being bad or yeah, good or and whatever. I'd, I'd imagine it's it's both power over storms and also power to stop yeah, storms from happening. In some regard. Uh, flooding if a crop doesn't grow yeah. the way you want to. It's it's very easy to find something to pin that on instead of just accepting. Well, maybe we, we live in a place where the weather isn't the same every <laughs> Weird day. Weird how it's like that in the rainforest. <laughs> um, yeah. They are said to help those that are drowning, removing them from the river, which is pretty cool. 
I wouldn't be surprised if that's based yeah, a little bit in either. fact. Um, whether it's yeah. a benevolent thing or it's like a get this weird struggling thing out of my river. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Or, or <laughs> hey there, fellow pink <laughs> wiggly worry. thing. You want to bang? <laughs> yeah, and you might want to leave the river. Um, whether or not you're drowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes it exponentially worse. <laughs> Um, but they, they are considered friends of fishermen in the Amazonian region. So they they help with fishing and they'll safely conduct canoes during storms, um, which I think is pretty cool. They have the power to hypnotize humans, which is why humans are irresistibly drawn to the river and taken to the Ancante. Apparently, there is a concoction of yucca. I think that's how you say it. Yucca? Yucca? Yucca root flower and dried crushed chili peppers spread over the water at the location of the creature's appearance to break their hold over the human. I'm pretty sure it is yucca, yucca okay, we'll but go I could that. be wrong. <laughs> yucca and chili I, peppers. I, I do know that it has a very fibrous root and it can be used yeah. for a lot of applications. I can't imagine that spreading crushed chili peppers in the water is really a good idea. I can't... <laughs> Couldn't hurt. The, the yucca? The yucca is probably not going to yeah. do anything. It's just flour. It'll probably just lump up and sit at the bottom. But I'd imagine that mm-hmm. the chili peppers probably aren't aren't great for the animals that live inside the river. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, if I just just a guess, I'd imagine it doesn't Maybe not. sink a probably, lot deep. Maybe just um, lo- like sloughs off the surface or something. Yeah, I know if you dump a bunch of chili powder into a soup, you have to really stir That's it in true. there to get it to go under under, under the water. But so. I, I'm just imagining like being a fish in this like bath full of chili, <laughs> like hitting your eyes, you know. It would be pretty terrible. Mm, bath full of chili. <laughs> Different kind of chili. Yes. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> so it's it's not unheard of for an enchanted one or the boto to, to dwell on, la- on land long term. And typically they'll like make a living as a musician, which I kind of see as the, the magical aspect that these creatures have and mm-hmm. magic that is music or how musicians... Um, tend to kind of nomadically wander to make a living. You know, that kind of thing makes sense. Yeah, and and the ability to sing a song or tell a story, that's a very special thing. In a lot of cultures, that's Mm -hmm. very supernatural. Um, That's something... Uh, I I don't know. The, the obvious example is the the skalds, the warrior poets mm-hmm. of, of the Vikings. Uh, they were they were kept and traded like action <laughs> figures after the battle, just so they could tell good yeah, stories. Was, I mean, it's been a valuable commodity for centuries, centuries yeah. and centuries, millennia even. So, a uh, person who kills a bodo is always punished. They won't succeed in killing anything else. Like they won't be able to kill fish or game. Um, until they are finally restored to health by a curador. So, I mean, he was going to cure them of this ailment that the, the boto has, mm-hmm. that killing a boto has caused them, right? So, back uh, on to some more, I guess, drawn out facts. Those were some of my short little cool things about them. Mm-hmm. Boto body parts are used in love charms. It's mainly their eyes and their genitalia. So uh, holding the eye of a bodo while talking to a member of the opposite sex is thought to make one highly sexually attractive because no one can resist the bodo's gaze because it's, it's enchanted, right? 
The genitalia are more powerful. They are dried and ground, and then they're applied to one's own genitalia for either more pleasure or for more potency. So this happens with both males and females. They apply the opposite sex's genitalia to their own, which is a little bit gross, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we do see that in a lot of yeah. in, in a lot of cultures, and it's not really our place to put a judgment on it. However, uh, I don't know butchering animals for uh, this this purpose just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like the yeah. best use of our of our time of of the the, the, the beautiful animals no, that totally are you know, alive and, this, and shouldn't be ground up in the powders. <laughs> this practice um, is, it's actually taboo in riverine areas. It's more popular along uh, the coast essentially. But a forensic study of these charms actually showed that these are not from the Budo or the the Takushi dolphins. It's not from either of them. Mm -hmm. If they are of dolphin origin at all, they're from the Guiana dolphin from the Atlantic Ocean, or they might be other animals entirely, like not dolphins at all. So, I mean, who's even going to know, right? People that are buying these. Well, yeah, when it's when it's and dried and handed it's off, about. it's you know, about some. It's about the power that we all have in ourselves through some other catalyst to give ourselves confidence. Or yeah, I mean, our our brains have an insane amount of power if we're convinced that something is true. So it's yeah. yeah oh, so it's something. So. There's something to be said for that type of thing, I guess. Yeah, there's a there's a rock that'll a keep magical tigers rock. Around. <laughs> um, yeah. There are stories that boaters have gone insane after an encounter with an encantado. Um, But typically the creatures don't cause any harm. That being said, (laughs) other accounts report illness, insanity, or even death inflicted by encantado. So there's very much two sides of the coin to these creatures. No. If you make eye contact with them, you get malhado de bicho, which is creature's evil eye. And you may become crazy and attempt to jump into the water because the dolphins are calling for you, or you may have nightmares for the rest of your life. Um, Generally, this can be cured by a shaman. Uh, I assume if you didn't drown first. (laughs) Um, (laughs) These dolphins can cause illness known as uh, Judiaria. Yeah, Judiaria de Boto. Or something. Okay. <laughs> um, sometimes it refers to a specific illness where the dolphin enters one's home at night, paralyzes the occupants, rapes the man or woman, and then leaves, jumps into the water, and turns back into a dolphin. And then these wow. nocturnal intrusions are repeated frequently, and the victim becomes ill, loses their appetite, dies, and then its soul is taken to the bottom of the river to serve as the dolphin's consort. It's pretty sounds intense. So Dracula. <laughs> it's exactly that right. Is, yeah, it's very, yeah. very Dracula esque. <laughs> uh, yeah, that it's it's this revisiting again and again as yeah. it saps your strength and gain yeah. takes. Yeah, uh, I mean own. there there are other less drastic types of illness also attributed to botos. Um, the mm. physical symptoms of dolphin possession or enchantment which like they're like thinner or you're less or you're listless or you're very pale. They all actually uh, suggest hepatitis, which is very common 
Yeah, it's, I believe it's it. very common yeah. and often deadly in the Amazon. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the so-called you know exotic illnesses that took a lot of explorers, they were mostly just uh, people not taking them care of themselves and being in a strange place. Yeah, or uh, introductions so, of new illnesses and everything. Yeah. Yeah, new illnesses and new things. Uh, a lot. A lot of it is. It's well. You have to be careful when you're out on 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 the river. You have to take care of yourself, and we your immune system drops down when you get wet and cold, and you're eating strange foods. And yeah, and I mean these are also illnesses up, that easily yeah. pass among people too, or that you're born with. You know, That's true. I mean, uh, so another a few other things they suggested they they said hepatitis, or it could be anemia or malaria. These are all very common things in that region and so it makes sense that there's this unexpected illness that comes about and you need a reason to pin why you're sick right so um it's a culture-bound syndrome this judaria deboto it's a culture-bound syndrome and it kind of covers and explains away a multitude of illnesses yeah Mm. so this occasionally malevolent nature of the boto it earns it the epithet of semvergonha which is shameless it's the word for shameless it's a term typically used in brazil to refer to people as incapable of moral self self-evaluation i guess i guess you would maybe say that like narcissistic or someone that acts out a lot maybe sure yeah just a never never has that introspective yeah moment yeah, they and, never know never how to sit and look back okay. and see okay is what i'm doing okay morally sound um it isn't a term that's typically actually used to reference any animals other than humans but i think that here it's kind of a projection of bad human behavior onto a creature due to the the shape-shifting nature of the myth they aren't solely man or animal and that kind of blurs the line a little bit there in general, the similarity, or if you're going for anthropological terms, the isomorphism between human behavior and the kind of shameless botos, it's very obvious. They're kind of a, a foil for human conduct and the nature of life. So misfortune, illness, good and bad actions, and relationships. They can be projections of like intruders that come into your home or people that are oppressing you or that are abusing you. And they're really, they're really meant to convey kind of the capriciousness and strangeness of the world at large. Yeah. And, and it does seem like that's, that's really what it is. It's, it's whatever your particular boogeyman is, it can be called a boto and uh, it it gets those aspects. Well, fantastical creatures are cool, especially when they're based on a real animal that you can see in front of you. I'm a little kind of disturbed that the Encantado were and are being used as kind of an easy way to escape or to to excuse rape and abuse. Yeah, I mean, very much like we talked about in our modern folklore a couple couple weeks ago, the part of part of this show is to also look at what people are really afraid of and what the real risks yeah. are out there in, if, to people. And that's, it's not an easy thing to talk about, but I think it's necessary if we're going to really look at where a lot yeah, of these the stories come from. Them, right. Um, and, and, and this, this particular story seems like it does have a certain absolutely. carnal I mean, element to just it. Just the fact that the dolphins are very sexually aggressive and will rape each other. It's an easy tie into this and kind of, they make them again, that, that perfect scapegoat with added magical lore but 
but real human behavior is happening behind the scenes. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not okay. I mean, <laughs> a lot of victims of rape and fatherless children in a society is not good. But I also can see how this myth kind of progressed over time, um, despite the awful subtext. I think it's easier to kind of deal with something on a personal level or to not deal with something kind of on a societal level that really sucks in a way that is magical and fantastical and kind of takes away the need to confront things. Um, But that being said... I'm also holding a society that isn't mine to standards that are mine. And as an anthropologist, you really have to be flexible in your thinking when it comes to societies that are morally different from, you know, what's acceptable in our own, right? Our society grew in its own way, as did this other society. We don't have all the information. And honestly, morality is relative anyway, especially in a social context, you know? Yeah, everyone's still figuring things out. All we can do is be kind yeah, and try exactly, to understand one another. Right? Um, so I was going to do some encounter stories and stuff, but I'm actually not going to tell you guys some because there were too many to choose from. <laughs> um, there is a ton more about these creatures. And if you want to learn about that and get a bunch of first-hand accounts of them, um, check out the book Dance of the Dolphins or Dance of the Dolphin by Candace Slater. Uh, she's an anthropologist who collected more than 200 hours of dolphin stories during 14 months of field work uh, from 1988 to 1992. It's a super good book, and oh. it's a really, really good look at the culture in this area. And honestly, we have barely scraped the surface of what there is to know here. Yeah, it's a whole other world, and I'm glad that the, someone's really put some time mm-hmm. into Focusing yeah, on this she's one actually particular got two books, um, but I think this one is probably the best one if you're really interested in the Encantado specifically. Um, so now we are at the, the time of our episode where we talk about alignment. Logan. Oh yes, indeed. This is gonna. This is we're gonna we're gonna keep this kind of a more regular thing as we as Lindsay and I <laughs> venture into our D and D campaign. Uh, uh, she'll, she, and she's kind of becoming a little bit more immersed in in what it means uh, to to have an alignment attached oh, yeah. to a I've creature been watching and uh, have a challenge a ridiculous amount like of critical role. And so <laughs> this is definitely a thing for me lately. <laughs> So let's see. Where are we going to put them on the axes? Um, first of all, chaotic. chaotic. I kind of think that, that that that's what they are. They are they are chaotic, and I yeah, you want to put them in chaotic neutral. Um, they, I actually bet you they're chaotic good. I think it depends. Um, on chaotic good is often mis- misunderstood and often miscategorized. Is my thought uh, with that? I think that they, okay. in general, that's fair. they're probably actually neutral to evil. But I'm very much mm, leaning more towards okay. neutral, like specifically neutral, and then just changing via which creature it, it specifically is. You know, just just like humans, yeah. some of us are good and some of us are not so good. But these guys are. Well, also, I, I'll admit that I'm taking a somewhat <laughs> yeah. selective view of of which stories are attributed to them and which stories are actually about them. Yeah, I mean, I would just say some have really bad intentions and some have really yeah. like benevolent intentions right the ones that are helping you so based sure. on that they, they're there's 
they're, they could almost be a, pl- a player character race yeah, because no, definitely. Uh, they're less defined by what they are and yeah. more defined by who <laughs> they are. You just watch the next race after like Kenku's <laughs> or Tortles is going to be the Encantados. <laughs> I, bet, I, I bet you could play them. It'd be pretty cool. I mean, you'd end up on the spectrum of chaotic for sure, but whether what what you would play there would be... <laughs> definitely up to you and what decisions you wanted to make for sure but um (laughs) yeah but yeah okay i i can see what i can see where you're putting on there i think they would probably be a magical beast um they're not really an aberration they're definitely not undead or a yeah shapeshifter some sort of magic inherent Um, there mm -hmm. what do you think now okay if you if you kill one what is its true form Mm, probably dolphin Probably dolphin. To me, I, I agree. I think they're they're born dolphin. They die dolphin. Uh, everything else is as uh, you know ever changing as the yeah, surface. And they of the work water fine for a in. campaign because if they can shift to a human, then <laughs> they can walk around. There we go. So it could it could be interesting. I think. All right. But you guys, let us know what you think about that. <laughs> Would you want to play an Encantado? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's something that a char- characters might encounter on a on a river boat yeah. section of an adventure, uh, maybe a side quest. Uh, maybe only one person sees them and isn't sure if they should tell the party yeah. uh, about them. Uh, I think they could be used in a be lot cool. of different storytelling. Maybe we should ways. tell our DM about them. Well, first of all, great yeah, job thanks. with that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for being our little tour yeah, guide through the fun. Amazon. Yeah, Encantado. Yeah, uh, tasty they're, drink they're as really, well. I mean, they're really interesting creatures. So I encourage more yeah. research into them because there's a lot more out there. You'll find <laughs> more. Your local real library. real hard to cut that down to what I gave you guys. So <laughs> sorry. Um, you guys can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter. At <laughs> Folklore Rocks. Uh, we've got pictures, notes, sources uh, at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com, our website. We have a Patreon and as well as the PayPal button that you can just push on our website, um, any amount that you can donate is much appreciated. Oh, that's a really cool thing to do, uh, and we yes. really, really it appreciate it. It's, with, uh, uh, it's so much. It helps with um, <laughs> our monthly hosting fees to keep this show actually hosted somewhere. It helps with um, offsetting equipment fees. It helps with editing fees. Like it's just immensely helpful. So thank you to those that have donated thus far and thank you to anyone who is considering it in the future in advance. <laughs> yes, thank um, you And so if much. you want to physically get something for your money other than the cool stuff we have on our Patreon tiers, you can buy stuff in our merch shop, which is folkloreontherocks.threadless.com. And we have some really cool stuff there. Um, Logan and I both have a shirt we wear occasionally. I got a cool little mug. Uh, I know my aunt bought some stuff, which is pretty neat. And she's awesome. So thanks, Elise. You're pretty cool. Um, and yeah. <laughs> generally, we, there's just some really cool stuff on there. Uh, so I encourage you guys to just check it out, even if you are interested to yeah, like, even if you don't yeah, buy anything, check, check it out. It's a cool place to swing by and uh, some great gift ideas there. If, if you if you know somebody that likes our show, uh, then buy two things yeah, and perfect. give one away. There you go. Um, <laughs> We're still doing free stickers if you write us a review and send a screenshot in. So be, feel free to do that and you'll get some really cool vinyl stickers from us. 
Um, we even if you don't want stickers, we ask that you take some time to rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. It's really helpful. And you're getting them <laughs> anyway. Get that um, and yeah. then once we are at 100 reviews, we're going to do a bonus episode with a listener-selected creature. So that's some more incentive there. Um, and then just tell your friends. Word of mouth is really the best marketing that we could possibly get from you. So um, we really appreciate you guys l- listening and tuning in. And we hope that you will tune in again next Sunday. Oh, yes, please. Come back and join us anytime. We love having you here. We love sharing stories with you. Bye, everyone. See you next week.